the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentanko's message today is entitled, From Few to Many. That's From Few to Many, and you can find it online at ReachingYourHeart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time, 24-7. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Well, unfortunately, we were not able to bring you the entire message yesterday due to our time constraints, but we will complete from few to many here on the radio now. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get underway. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. In the wilderness of temptation, Jesus denied himself the miracle of making bread so he would have the moral right to make your bread. He became the manna man because he would not make manna for himself. And the man who would not feed himself to save his own life, God chose him to feed the world with the bread of life. Luke 9 verse 10, on their return, the apostles told him what they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a city called Bethsaida. And when the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. This is the introduction to Jesus' miracle of feeding the 5,000. And what we have in these two verses is the same idea of a congregation of people who follow Jesus out to hear the word of God. We find a holy gathering occurring as Jesus is on the move. Now, the Greek word for church in the New Testament is ekklesia, It comes from two Greek words. It means to be called out. Verse 11 is one of the brimming full verses that shows us the profound character of Jesus as a preacher and teacher in his time and for all time. The text says they followed him and he welcomed them. Now, if I were to stop right here today, if I were to say nothing more today, think about what that verse says. They followed him and he welcomed them. Jesus' church in the wilderness was a welcome place. People who followed him were welcome to follow him. Maybe you came to church and you feel that you're not very welcome. It's probably more your feelings than anything else. Here's the truth. People who follow Jesus are welcomed by Jesus. Dear heart, you don't have to feel welcome to be welcomed. You are welcomed because of Jesus The question arises, what was the essence of Jesus' ministry out there? I mean, what was it all about? You could boil his ministry down. What was it about? Many ministers today try to be any and everything for everybody. But what did Jesus do in the ministry for the people? Three actions are found in verse 11 that answers this question. Luke 9, 11. When the crowds learned it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. I'd like to look at three actions that we have in those verses. Action number one, Jesus welcomed people who followed him. Have you ever been to church and you come through the door and someone looks at you with a big scowl on their face? Well, have you? 
Come on, fess up and be honest with me. Have you ever had that happen to you? What? You have. Did you quit coming to church? Now, I already know the answer to that question. You're here today, aren't you? Now, think about this. Here we have the person for whom the church is all about. It says in verse 1, Jesus welcomed people who followed him. If you were to come to church today and the only person to welcome you is Jesus, would he welcome you, yes or no, based on that verse? He would. So if you have an unfriendly encounter at any point in your life in the church, are you to judge your Christian experience by that unfriendly encounter? Or are you to accept the welcome of Christ and come on in? That's what you're to do. Action number two. Jesus spoke to them of the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't teach and preach his own ideas. He didn't fill the ears of people with book reviews, movies, comic book strips, dancing and prancing, philosophy, or anything like that. That's not what the church service was about. Christ was the teacher, and Jesus taught the profound truths of the kingdom of God in a simple manner as the essential stuff of life. The living and abiding word of God in human flesh proclaimed the good news of God's kingdom that is coming and is already here in him. That's what he taught. I mean, so Christ, when he shared the word with the people, it was the essential stuff that got them from here into the future into God's kingdom. Action number three, Jesus cured those who had need of healing. When you're listening to the preaching and teaching of Jesus, you went home with more than just a new idea. You went home healed if you believed. His words found the empty and filled them with new life. His words touched the sore of the heart and applied the salve of the spirit. His words found the cancer of guilt and his light became radiation therapy that shrank the tumor until it went away. Christ's words were more than words. When men and women came to Jesus with the pains of spiritual hunger, his words healed their pain and filled their hearts with truth. And he took away the ulcer of the teaching of the scribes and Pharisees. He filled the empty heart with God's truth. And healthy churches today, I believe, work with Jesus to teach his word to others. So let's review these three actions that we see on Jesus' part. Action number one for a healthy church. You welcome people who are seeking Jesus. You're friendly to others because Christ was. Action number two for a healthy church. You proclaim the kingdom of God based on the Word of God, not on your own ideas. So a healthy church is not focusing so much on what the church thinks of itself. It's really declaring what God has to say for others. And action number three for healthy churches is that they experience healing because Christ is there and the focus of the church is Jesus' presence. So you can keep all that other stuff as far as I'm concerned. I can listen to singers who can't sing and I can endure worship that isn't perfect and I can hear goofs here and there in the service, but if I hear the Word of God, that's good enough for me. That's what I want out of a worship service. If I hear the Word of God, I'm going to be fed there. You can take all that highfalutin stuff, you can set it aside. If Jesus is there, that's good enough. Now, how does the African-American spiritual go? It says you can have all this world, but give me what? Jesus. I mean, if you had to sit down today and you had to make a list of what you want, if you had to figure out what it is you wanted, and if you could have your wish, what would it be? Would it be a new car? Would it be financial security? Would it be a secure retirement? Would it be that degree you've always coveted? Or would it be Jesus? Dear heart, if you have come to church seeking Jesus, you will find what you came for. In Luke 9, 11, the people who came to hear Jesus found what they were looking for. He taught them publicly 
the word of God in ways they could understand, and he healed the people. Now there's a place to come out and to gather to hear the word of God publicly in the wilderness of life. The church is that place, a wilderness retreat of faith. According to verse 12, the people could listen to Jesus all day long and they never got tired of his teaching. Look at Luke 9, 12 with me. Now when the day began to wear away and the twelve came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the villages and country round about to lodge and get provisions for we are here in a lonely place. Now the Greek doesn't say it quite like that. It says we are in a wilderness. It's the same word used in Luke 4 when the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness. The wilderness is the place the devil lives in the gospel of Luke. I mean, Christ went out there and there he was waiting on him. He also lives in the abyss where all the pigs went. But the abyss, even though it's his permanent home, the wilderness is kind of like his retreat. It's his place where he looks for people to tempt and to torment. And so he was there to tempt Christ. But the truth is that as we move from slavery, from Egypt in our own life, to the promised land, the ground in between is the wilderness. And so it is natural to expect that we will encounter temptation, that we will encounter the enemy right there in the wilderness. And that's where Jesus was at, preaching and teaching the Word of God. You know, what does that mean? It means this, that God has sent His Son not to the highest mountain to declare what is true, God has sent his son not to the lowest place in and of itself. He has sent him to the wilderness that you live in so that you can make the journey to the promised land. Christ is the new Moses who leads his people through the wilderness. Now, the disciples didn't see the wilderness as a place of opportunity. They saw it as a place of danger. They had forgotten that God fed Israel in the wilderness. They had forgotten that manna comes in the wilderness And they had forgotten that miracles can be wrought by God right there in the wilderness. And they said this to Jesus. Send the crowd away to go into the villages and country round about to lodge and get provisions for we are here in a wilderness. You know, some churches are just like that. They have to send people away to be fed. People come and they say, we want to hear the word of God. And they hear any and everything but the word of God. And eventually they say, go away, look someplace else. Dear heart, You may leave Jesus. You have the right to go. But if you don't leave Jesus, if you come to the place where his word is preached and taught, you will find Jesus, and Christ will not send you away, and you will in time be healed. No church member, no person in your experience, no wrong committed against you in the church should stand in the way of your ability to follow Christ. So you come anyway. Luke 9, 13, but he said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in companies about 50 each. Christ said, you give them something to eat. Now, in a sense, the people are like my little boy, John Michael. They need to be fed, but they can't feed themselves. The responsibility of the individual believer in the story is to come to Christ. But he tells the leaders, his own apostles, you feed the flock. You know, if you think about it, if a pastor does not feed his flock from the word, he has no right to lead his flock in any other activity. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And the question is, what do they get to eat? The disciples responded, we have only five loaves and two fishes. And they didn't even know what they were saying when they said this. What's five loaves and two fishes out here in the middle of a wilderness? 
Now, in the context, the bread represents the Word of God. How many loaves did he give them? Five. Now, the number five in the Bible, can you think of anything that corresponds to number five? Go back to the Torah, the law of Moses. Remember in Deuteronomy 8, man shall not live by bread alone. God gave them bread in the wilderness. Do you realize that Moses wrote the Torah in the wilderness? It was comprised of five books. The number five was symbolic of God's word as the Torah, as the word of God. They had five loaves of bread in the wilderness, and they couldn't make the connection that they should rely on God's word. Now, how many fish did they have? They had two fish. Now, when Jesus told Peter, he said, I will make you a fisher of what? Of men. So we have here one and two. When Christ sent his disciples out, did he send them alone or by twos? And so a believer here was symbolized as a fish, Luke 5.10. And he said to Simon, do not be afraid. Henceforth you will be catching men. The fish represents the person who is caught in the gospel net. So the kingdom of God is like a net that catches all kinds of fish. It takes two witnesses to bear witness to the truth. So we have two things coming together. We have the five loaves of bread, and we have two fish, the five loaves symbolizing God's word, and the two fish symbolizing the witness of two believers. And when you put them together, you have everything you need to feed the people. Jesus taught that two people with God's word can change the world. Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Matthew 18, 19, again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So very clearly, two people sharing God's word can do anything. God will answer their prayer. So Jesus sent his disciples out two by two because two people are important in his plan. Maybe that's all there is here in this church, five loaves and two fishes in the church. Maybe that's all there is in your sphere of ministry. Maybe you don't feel talented. Maybe you don't feel like you're an excellent soul winner. Maybe your service seems to be inadequate in your own eyes. Dear heart, if there's someone else working with you and you have the Word of God represented by the five loaves, you can change the world in your ministry that God has called you to. Disciples didn't know what they had in their own hands. They had God's dynamite. In verse 14, Jesus said, Make them sit down in small companies of about 50 people. You know, while it's true that you can hear the Word of God in a worship service. You really can't assimilate the Word of God in a large public gathering like this. Jesus taught that God chooses small groups as His method and means of feeding people. So if you're not in a small Christian fellowship that studies the Word of God, you're missing something. I mean, if you're so busy, you only come to church, but you don't have someone you can pray with or study the Bible with in the week, or you don't come to prayer meeting, maybe your work load doesn't allow that, but you still don't have another time with another believer to study and talk through the Word of God, you cannot be a mature Christian. I believe God is calling our church and the Christian church to real practical discipleship at the end of time. It takes small groups to do this. Luke 9, 15, it says, and they did so and made them all sit down. So here they are sitting down, verse 16, and taking the five loaves and the two fish what did Jesus do? It says he looked up to heaven, he blessed and broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Jesus made people sit down to feed. 
a busy Christian is very often looked up to. You say, wow, that person's awesome. That person is alive with God. Look at them. They're moving from here to there. They're doing this and that. Look at the great things they're doing. But if they aren't sitting down at the beginning of the day, if they aren't coming on their knees at the end of the day, if they aren't reflecting the Word of God in time, every bit of that activity, every bit of that work will come to nothing because unless you feed on God's Word, you cannot stand for God and serve God. You may look like you're serving God, but you may in fact be undoing the very work of God you think that you are working for. So you can't feed when you're standing. You have to sit down. The food won't digest right unless you relax and chew it slowly sitting down. Now my wife tells me this every now and then. I don't know if it happens to you. Husbands, I'm focusing in on you. At the table, I'm eating fast. Does anyone here ever eat fast? I'm eating fast and shoveling that stuff in. And as I'm eating, Diana says, slow down and chew your food carefully. Well, wait a second. I'm a grown man. I don't need to be told how to eat. Chew your food. I think on one occasion she may have actually done this, where she actually showed me how, by going real slow and chewing the food till I got the point. How do you interact with the Bible in your life? Do you just kind of read it and move through the day? You get a verse and you move on? Or you read a chapter quickly, if you're not slowing down to chew your food, and it's best done when you're in the company of a small group, eating around a spiritual table, then what you're probably doing is not getting proper nutrition. Therefore, you're not alive in God. You're just active. And activity in and of itself does not mean you're alive. Luke says, Jesus looked up to heaven. He blessed the loaves and the fishes. There are a lot of things in the church today that aren't blessed at all. But God always blesses His Word and His people who work together for a miracle in His name. You see, you don't find the blessing by looking down. You find the blessing by looking up. You can't, with a pessimistic attitude, determine your future. You have to call on God with an optimistic outlook by looking up and asking God for the blessing. There is a sacred chain of transmission in these verses. Jesus looked up to God, His Father, to bless the five loaves, symbolizing the Word of God, and the two fish symbolizing two Christians who work together for the people. A simple witness. And Jesus gave both the bread and the fish. Jesus brings the Word and the two essential people you need into your life. Jesus is the one who works the miracle to help you come to faith. Dear heart, that means Jesus provides the Word of God and the people you need in life to help you understand it. The point of all this is that it comes from Jesus. He's the person who is the miracle that makes it happen. The text says he broke the bread. You can hear the gospel preached in a public setting at the worship hour in church, but it says Jesus broke the bread. He broke it into pieces for the small groups. You have to sit down in a small group to receive the word that is broken down in such a way that you can really eat it and digest it. That's why small groups and prayer meetings and groups like this in the church, if you have a service ministry here, you should meet with your friends and pray and study the word of God because that's how you get life in your personal life. And what impact can the word of God and the witness of two believers have on a group of 50 or 5,000 of the world when the word is broken down so they can eat it. Look at Luke 9, 17. The text says, And all ate and were satisfied. I mean, that word satisfied is such a significant word. To be at peace. To have what you need. To feel satisfied and sufficient. 
You see, the only place to get that is from God's Word. The miracle comes when the Bible becomes an integral part of your life and you find Christ to be your Savior. You find that salvation is your story. You find that His Word is your Word for life. That His miracle that heals is the miracle that heals you. And when that miracle occurs, you are satisfied. And they took up what was left over, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Twelve baskets was a clue that something special happened there. The broken pieces filled twelve baskets. And in the Old Testament, there were twelve righteous patriarchs before the flood. God formed twelve tribes into the nation of Israel. Jesus chose twelve disciples and made them his church. The woman symbolizing the heavenly Jerusalem has twelve stars in the book of Revelation. And the new Jerusalem, the home of the saved, has twelve foundations. I mean, 12 is the number for God's people. So what's being said here? Jesus here is in the business of picking up the broken pieces and making a church out of them. Maybe you are a broken vessel, a broken fish, a broken piece, and you feel you don't belong. Dear heart, you have to be broken to be gathered into the kingdom of God. That's not a bad thing here. He broke them to gather them. The proud don't need the church. The healed, the healed already don't need a cure or a position. And the self-sufficient don't need to be fed by God, do they? I guess that leaves the broken to inherit eternal life. Is that you? If that's you, then you're the one that must be gathered into the twelve baskets. Jesus had them gather the twelve baskets full of broken pieces. People who have been fed have the energy to gather. Think about that. People have been fed by the Word of God. They have the energy to do something, to gather the broken pieces. They get up, they go out, and they pick up the broken pieces, and they gather them into the church. God's kingdom will not be a collection of experts. It won't be a collection of accomplished people who shine like crazy, who have no baggage in their life. God is picking up the broken people of this world to make them stars in his eternal kingdom. He has taken the humble and the outcast of this planet, and he will make them the champions of eternity by faith. There's so much in this miracle of Jesus for us all. But most of all, most of all, Jesus' prayer in the miracle is this, that when he looked up with an optimistic outlook of faith, he believed that God could do anything. He believed that God could take the few and he could miraculously, by the power of his word, make them many. And dear heart, God can do the same in your life. He can do the same for our church. He can take the little that you have and he can make a lot out of it. And in the end, you'll be part of his eternal kingdom. The broken pieces gathered in to the eternal family of God. Now, Father... Jesus came into this world to save sinners and to help us repent. Father, we are sinners before you. Now, Father, sinners need to be healed. That's why people went to the wilderness. You know this, to be healed because of their encounter with Jesus. And Father, you know the sins that beset this congregation. You know if it's worldly literature. Father, you know if it's worldly videos and movies. Or whether the love of money, the love of achievement and status, whatever it is, you know. And you know that repentance is the only access that any of us have to the righteousness of Christ through confession and repentance. You're all this way. I'm going to pray a very specific prayer that you'll take the bread that comes from Jesus and you'll feed them with the truth. 
that in Jesus they are forgiven. In Jesus their sins have been placed into the abyss of the sea and they can no longer be prosecuted in Jesus. Father, this has not been a perfect service, but the word is perfect. We thank you for Jesus. And bless every heart and life in him, I pray. Father, there needs to be in our own church a consistent walk. Father, you know what I'm talking about. There are many areas. Help, Father, the seasoned Christian to really consider what it means to give an example to the new people in the church. And Father, help us all to live right and to obey you. Lord, thank you for Jesus who died for us. In his name, amen. Thanks for listening today. If this message has ministered to you, remember there are many more just like it at reachingyourheart.com. If you're a regular listener to this broadcast, or if you've just tuned in for the first time and have been inspired by this sermon, and you'd like to partner with us to help keep these radio broadcasts on the air, you can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. One of our team is available to assist you right now. We believe God is moving across the globe, touching lives and reaching hearts, and you are helping make this a reality with your gift of any amount. These are urgent times, and God has an urgent message. God's message in Revelation is one of warning and encouragement, and it's a personal appeal to all of mankind. It is his final message before sweeping changes occur across the globe, events that will take place just prior to Christ's second coming. You see, God doesn't want his church to be surprised by the events that will take place. He wants his church ready for his return. We have a book titled God's Last Altar Call that will encourage you and help you understand what events must take place as found in the book of Revelation. We'll send you this book for a donation of any amount and pray that you will be encouraged to know that you can discern the events that must take place prior to his second coming. Please call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. And with a donation of any amount, we'll send the book right out to you entitled, God's Last Altar Call. We pray that you will be lifted up by the biblical insights in this book and grow spiritually in your walk with Christ. Join us again next time for another edition of Reaching Your Heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.